0: Hi, I'm Billy Glosson, lead pastor of Coram Church in Morganton, North Carolina, and you're listening to the Coram Podcast, a place to engage with sermons, devotionals, prayer, and everything else we're doing at Coram Deo. Thanks for listening.
1: We're in Psalm 124, starting in verse 1. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel now say, If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, when people rose up against us, then they would have swallowed us up alive when their anger was kindled against us then the flood would have swept us away the tarrant would have gone over us then over us would have gone the raging waters blessed be the Lord who has given us not given us as prey to their teeth we have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowlers the snare is broken and we have escaped our help is in the name of the Lord who made the heaven and earth. I'm going to invite our uh, lead pastor, Billy Glosson, who's also my hot husband, up to bring us the word. Heavenly Father, thank you, God. If it wasn't for you, I don't know where we would be. God, if it wasn't for you and your mercy and your grace, God, we would all be lost. We would have no hope if it wasn't for your son to deliver us through his sacrifice, Lord. It would just be total darkness. Lord, thank you that you have delivered us into your marvelous light. That you have made a way for us to escape, to conquer. Be more than conquerors through your son. God, I ask that this truth... Would settle deep, deep, deep into our hearts and deep into our minds that we could quiet our racing thoughts, quiet our anxious hearts to receive you, to know you, and to love you. Please be with Billy as he brings us the word. May he be faithful to the text. Holy Spirit, fall on him, guide him, lead him, keep his thoughts clear. Ultimately, Lord, may you be glorified. May you reveal so much more draw us in Lord it's in your name I pray amen
0: amen I trust you guys are doing well um, Psalm 124 has been kind of just a deep encouragement to me but as you read it you may think okay well this seems like pretty straightforward but have you ever missed something that was blatantly obvious there's a story of Sherlock Holmes and his companion Dr. Watson and they're camping in a tent Holmes wakes up Watson in the middle of the night, and he points up at the stars. Watson blinks the sleep from his eyes as Holmes asks him, what do you deduce? Watson, looking up at the sky, says, well, astronomically, I deduce that there are a million of galaxies and potentially billions of planets. Astrologically, I deduce that Saturn is in Leo. Meteorologically, I deduce that we will have a beautiful day tomorrow. What about you, Holmes? What do you deduce? Watson said Holmes slowly, I deduce that someone has stolen our tent. You see, we can often miss the obvious. And reading this, again, it can seem, you know, pretty straightforward. The Lord is our help. It doesn't seem new, right? The name of the Lord is our hope, is our help. Maybe you have that on a coffee mug or a t-shirt, right? We know this. But when moments of danger moments of trial or hardship arise, our spiritual amnesia can kind of kick in. we can be those who look for resolution anywhere and everywhere, but in the faithfulness of our God. And Psalm 124, what it does is it serves as a liturgy to call us back to a Godward confidence. So again, we've used this word liturgy before. Liturgy is an order of service, an order of worship. We typically see this on Sundays where, again, Michael gets up here. He does a call to worship. He reads from God's word. We respond in song. Sometimes we'll have like a call and response like we did this morning on, on the screen. It's a liturgy, right? That's what Psalm 124 is. It's a, it's a call back to a Godward confidence. And this may be a muscle that perhaps you haven't flexed in a while. This is a gospel rehearsal. So last week I mentioned Milton Vincent and his seminal work, A Gospel Primer. It's a really beautiful book. It, it's, it's all about rehearsing, preaching the gospel to ourselves every single day. And it has kind of a, a poetry and a prose version in it. And in regards to perspective in trials, Vincent has this really beautiful quote. And it's a little long, but I really think it will help give us a framework. This psalm. This is what he says. More than anything else could ever do, the gospel enables me to embrace my tribulations and thereby position myself to gain full benefit from them. For the gospel is the one great permanent circumstance in which I live and move, and every hardship in my life is allowed by God only because it serves his gospel purposes in me. When I view my circumstances in this light, I realize that the gospel is not just one piece of good news that fits into my life somewhere among all the bad. I realize instead that the gospel makes genuinely good news out of every other aspect of my life, including my severest of trials. The good news about my trials is that God is forcing them to bow to his gospel purposes and do good unto me by improving my character and making me more conformed to the image of Christ. Preaching the gospel to myself each day provides a lens through which I can view my trials in this way and see the true cause for rejoicing that exists in them. I can then embrace trials as friends and allow them to do God's good work in me. So right here, right at the very top of this sermon, I just want to lay this out before you. God is your help. God is your help. The gospel is the evidence of that. But much like we do every single Sunday, we need to walk through this liturgy. And here is the layout. It starts with a call. Then there's a response. And finally, a declaration. A call, a response, and a declaration. So let's start first and see the call. Look at verse 1. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel now say, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, when people rose up against us, then they would have swallowed us up alive when their anger was kindled against us. Then the flood would have swept us away. The torrent would have gone over us. Then over us would have gone the raging waters. Now, most scholars agree that this psalm was written after David had warred against the Philistines. And the depth of this psalm is is so intriguing because it fits so many unique moments and scenarios throughout Israel's history. And now, friends, it finds its culmination for us as the church. This psalm is a celebration. David calls us to see God's faithfulness. He says, look, if God had not showed up, if God had not showed up, if, the, if, he, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side. I want you guys to know that the events of the past two weeks are not lost on me. I, I wish I could preach to you in a vacuum and not have to deal with such immense weight, but the reality is we live in a deeply broken world, and we must be those who stand in defiance of a Broken heart, a broken world, a bleak reality, and say, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side. C.S. Lewis, in his reflection on the Psalms, he writes this. He says, A man can't be always defending the truth. There must be time to feed on it. A man can't be always defending the truth. There must be time to feed on it. We have to come to this psalm and let it nourish our weary souls. This is a reflective psalm. This is a psalm that frankly smells like sweat and blood in the shadow of war. David walks through the stark reality of what would have happened, right? Had God not fought for Israel, they would have been swallowed up. He's saying, if God wasn't there, then the flood of blades descending down would have overwhelmed them. They would have been swept away. They would have been destroyed. They would no longer exist. David knows they were moments away from being wiped out. I mean, This was God's moment. This is a comeback story, right? This gives pictures of LeBron James and the Cavs being down three to one and coming back and yelling, Cleveland, this is for you. Or, It's the iconic image of the flag raising at Iwo Jima. It's like Michael said a few weeks ago, it's Gandalf on the hill. This is a look at overwhelming odds, and yet somehow a surprising victory. But the difference is a keen understanding, an awareness of where that victory came from. It wasn't Israel's cunning strategy. It wasn't athletic prowess. It was the Lord. It was the Lord, and sometimes we get to moments of danger, we get to moments of trial, hardship, moments of overwhelming odds, and our culture tells us, "Look within, find that strength inside of you." Muhammad Ali was taking a plane ride, and the flight attendant came up to him and politely asked, "Hey, w- would you please buckle your seatbelt?" And he refused, saying, "Superman don't need no seatbelt." And she replied, Superman don't need no plane either, okay? This psalm stands against the idea that you just need to be more, try harder, be better, faster, stronger. It says, know where your victory is. It's in the Lord. We have to know our frailness and what we were destined for. We were headed for white, hot, holy wrath because of our sin because of our sin and rebellion against a holy God. God doesn't send anyone to hell. They walk there willingly. But when David says, let Israel now say, we know we could say, let the church now say, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side. Hear this from Romans chapter eight, verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? For, Deo, he is for you. How can I say that? Billy, don't you know my circumstances? Don't you know my trials? Don't you know my hardship? How can I say that? Because he did not spare his own son. For Christ to be a curse, he had to bear the full measure of the curse, including hell itself.
2: At the time of Jesus' greatest distress,
0: his father didn't spare him. We sang it this morning. Father turned his face away. You see, God heard Naaman when he cried for healing. God heard Hannah when she cried for a child. He heard Hagar when she cried for help. He heard the Ninevites when they cried for mercy. He heard Elijah when he cried for deliverance, yet there's nothing but deafening silence when Jesus Christ cried, "My God, my God, why have you forsaken me?" Jesus Christ. Bore the pain of desertion
2: to atone for your sin and to secure
0: God's wrath on Himself. That means, O oh Christian, that Psalm 124 is our song. If it had not been for the Lord who is on our side, the call is to remember. Remember what Christ endured to secure your salvation. Remember the joy of your salvation. You now have freedom because Christ tasted the sting of death for
2: you. So with the emphatic call,
0: what is now the response? Let's see second the response. Verse six, blessed be the Lord who has not given us as prey to their teeth. We have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken, and we have escaped. So what's the response? The response is to praise our God. Blessed be the Lord. This, friends, is an overflow of gratitude. That's a practice that we would all do well in growing in. Gratitude. How often do you practice thankfulness? This is not an easy thing to do, especially in the shadow of trials and difficult days. But the exclamation marks in this psalm, right, it may make it appear as you first read it as like an easy breezy thing, like David's just up there triumphantly, like everything is sunshine and roses, it was easy. But when you look carefully at this text, you can see that even as David is now witnessing, celebrating, remembering, as he's witnessing now about what God had done for him, he does not hide how terrible it was. He's not to hide how terrible it has been. He says that we were prey to their teeth. We were being chewed up. He says he was in a snare, verse 7, like a bird that's caught in a hunter's trap. This was not pretty and perfect. It was bloody and terrible,
2: but God delivered them. Are you able to look at your past
0: and practice gratitude? Are you able to look at the scars, the bumps, the bruises, and still see God's unfailing love and his faithfulness? I've shared the story before of being engaged and dumped. That was not an easy moment for me. It was painful. But I can say with an art, a heart that is overflowing with gratitude that God saved me from a loveless marriage. I mean, have you guys met Hannah before? She's awesome, right? Listen, the Christian can be grateful for lack grateful for pain, grateful even for suffering, knowing that, as James tells us, the testing of our faith produces steadfastness. Now, something that's helpful for me, because maybe you're hearing this, and you're like, Billy, I don't know how to do this. Um, I don't know how to practice gratitude. Something that's been helpful for me is a 16th century practice called the prayer of examen. So a couple years back, I went to a retreat, and uh, maybe if you grew up like me, and kind of like the evangelical world, the idea of silence, of reflection is a little weird to you, right? Maybe you've never really done that or never really been guided through how that looks. And so I went to this retreat and it started with us being invited to write these steps for this prayer down and to go out and to reflect. And it was incredible to take a moment and retrospectively look back and see how God had worked. It was beautiful. And I want to walk you through it. I want to give you a tool. And if you're like, Billy, I can't write fast enough. That's okay. We're going to post this online afterwards. Okay. So don't worry. Step one, gratitude. So you take a few minutes to consider who God is. You remind your own heart of his faithful love, his
2: presence with you, his knowledge, his wisdom, his power.
0: You give thanks to God for who he is. You give thanks to the Lord for he is good, his love endures forever. First Chronicles 16. And you remember that God desires to give you fullness of light. So as you enter into this time of examen, remind yourself of his goodness. So right off the bat, you start with this practice of gratitude. You force yourself, go through God's word, see the moments of his faithfulness. Think through your life, see the moments of his provision. The next step, petition, step two. You ask God to release you from any distractions and for for insight and strength that will make this examen a work of grace that's
2: fruitful beyond your human capacity alone. Step three, review. So with
0: the Lord, this is a helpful way to start, maybe look back just over yesterday, just the last 24 hours. You can also do this at the end of a week. You can do it on like maybe a Saturday morning, maybe Sunday before the gathering. Hannah and I, we've we've done this practice actually at the beginning of the year as well, reflecting on the previous year. The first thing you do is you notice the stirrings in your heart and you notice the thoughts and remembrances that bring you to life and joy and draw you to God. I love this. Where did you see the kind invasion of God? Where did you see the kind invasion of God in your life? The next thing is you look also for the times and events when your heart felt kind of closed down or or maybe you felt drawn away from God. Where did you move away from the Lord? That's desolation. And then you you review your choices in response to both the consolation, right? The times when God invaded your life with kindness. And desolation is the cut times where you moved away from his kindness. You recall events. You explore the actions, the motives, the responses. And you notice the connections of emotions to relationships and happening. Right, this is what we read in 2 Corinthians 13. Test yourselves to see whether you are living in faith. Examine yourselves. Perhaps you yourself do not realize that Christ Jesus is in you unless, of course, you fail the test. And then lastly, be gracious
2: with yourself. Christ was crucified
0: for you, you don't have to crucify yourself. Remember that what is is, and that God is kindly present with us to rejoice, love, comfort, instruct, or forgive us. Then, four, forgiveness. This is where you repent of your sin and you ask for the healing touch of the forgiving God who, with love and mercy for you, removes your heart's burdens. Right, we read in Psalm 103, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. And then finally, step five, renewal. Look to the following day or the days and weeks ahead. Use your calendar, use your planner if you would like, and with God, plan how to live in accord with God's loving desire for you and the person that he is creating you uniquely to be.
2: I said this last week that no one abides
0: with Christ by accident. You don't just accidentally take step towards Jesus, right? In in Isaiah, we hear, draw near to the Lord, and I will draw near to you. This is a helpful practice to do that. Again, we practice gratitude, we lay before God our concerns, we look back over the places and spaces in which we notice tendencies and patterns that maybe draw us closer to Jesus or take us away from him and to sin. We repent of those things, we seek his forgiveness, and we ask for him to renew our days. It's a beautiful, helpful practice, friends. This is a way to take to heart this response that God is on our side, that he has lovingly pursued us in Jesus, that he has made all things new and that he desires to see that shape our days. And then we can respond with a grateful, overflowing heart blesses the name of the Lord. So friends, make a plan to practice gratitude. Maybe for you, it's as simple as each and every day on your way to work, as you drive, you just... Thank God for everything you can think of. God, thank you that I have a vehicle that I can drive to work in. Thank you, God, that I'm breathing right now. Thank you that I have food in my refrigerator. Thank you, God, that I have a job that helps me to pay my bills. Start practicing gratitude. Start seeing the ways that God has provided for you and is working in your life. And finally,
2: we see the call, we see the response, and now we see the declaration. Verse 8. Our help, our help
0: is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. This is a declaration of confidence. Let's go back to where we left off in Romans 8 before. Verse 35 of Romans 8. Who shall separate us from the love of God? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Friends, imagine if we actually lived as though we believed that. The confidence you would have, knowing that even death can't take you away from that which you long for the most, the love of God given to you in Jesus Christ. This gives us an overwhelming confidence to go forward in the name of the Lord, the one who made heaven and earth. It's been put this way by theologians that because God is the sovereign Lord of creation, that is displayed in a fourfold truth. He initiates all things. He maintains them in existence, controls them in operation, and directs them to their appointed end. So one, he initiates all things. He's the one who created it. He maintains them in existence. The sun keeps rising and setting. He controls them in operation. Again, he is sovereign. He directs them to their appointed end. Philippians tells us, it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work according to his purposes. That which he has begun in you, he will bring to completion. What does this tell us?
2: It tells us that our God is mighty. He is powerful. Our help
0: is in his name. In 1582, there was a Scottish minister named John Dury. And if you don't know much about Scotland and the Reformation during that time, you ought to go look into it because it's, it's wild, the amount of things that happened, the way that God worked. So John Dury was in prison because he was preaching the gospel. And when he was eventually released from prison, there were a few hundred of his congregants who met him at the gates of the prison And they began to walk with him through the streets of Edinburgh. And that group of people began to sing this song, Psalm 124. Soon after they began singing, about 2,000 people joined them in song. Those who persecuted him, those who put him in prison, are quoted saying that witnessing this moment alarmed them more than anything they had ever witnessed before that throughout the Reformation in Scotland. 2,000 people singing this song, that our help is in the name of the Lord, arrested hearts and caused the gospel to advance. Are you able to look over your life
2: and see God's faithfulness? Do you know the truth of the gospel at work in you? Are you able to take
0: moments to reflect in gratitude Asking for more of God's kind invasion in your life. Between the two world wars, the French built an 87-mile-long defensive wall called the Maginot Line. It was the Great Wall of France that defended its border with Germany. There were three lines of defense that were incorporated into this wall. The first were strong houses that were small fortified barracks designed to sound the alarm should attack come. The second line of defense was deep, reinforced bunkers that would delay an enemy attack. But the third line of defense was called the Ouverage. There were these deeply buried, multi-storied forts every four to six miles. Below the barracks at the deepest level were storehouses of ammunition, food, and above all else, a constant supply of water from deep wells. So in World War II, when the Germans did move against France, they didn't even try to attack these forts. Not a single one of the ouvrages was ever overcome or taken by the Germans. Why is that? It's because the Germans knew that the soldiers in these bunkers could survive and resist almost indefinitely because of the deep, endless supply of water. Quorum Deo, all of us need fortifications for life every line of defense is inadequate unless deep within us there is a resource hidden, abundant and untouchable if you have the wellspring of life then you can say with confidence no matter what may come no matter how bleak the trial, no matter how difficult the days our help is in the name
2: of the Lord Do you know that truth? Do you believe that truth? Do you look up and do you say, our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. He is for you. The gospel declares it so. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you have given us grace upon grace. You have made us a people who long for you.
0: You have not left us to our own devices. You have not said, I did the work, now you do the rest. You, Lord, are our constant help, our constant hope, constant joy, our constant strength. Jesus, I pray
2: that we would have hearts and minds awake and alive
0: to the hope of the gospel that we would hear the call and that our hearts would respond with overwhelming gratitude saying, blessed be the name of the Lord. That we would sing, how great is your
2: faithfulness. Jesus, I pray
0: that we would walk forward with confident hearts and that you would establish deep within us
1: a reserve of strength given to
0: us by your very spirit. Renew our hearts this morning. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Corum Deo podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or our website, CoramDeoNC.com. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram for a bigger picture inside the life of the church. Grace and peace be with you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ.